The biggest thing has really been to make our ideal customer profile as narrow as possible. How can we get them? Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Olsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. Hi, my name is Niklas Lilja, CEO and founder at Union, and you're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi and welcome, Niklas. Thank you, Josef. Great to be here. How are you in everything that's happening for you right now? It's a bit of a chaotic situation right now, but, uh, you know, things are uh, coming together, I think. I'm currently in outside Philadelphia, uh, sitting in my son's room, finding a quiet spot to do this podcast. With internet from your mobile. Yes. So far, so good. So we just want to explain to the listeners why why you mean chaotic is uh, your business is doing very well. And that's why I want to interview. But you have just moved to to the US and we will dive into that in just a few minutes. But first, the first question always. Niklas, what does your company, Unium, do? Please do the elevator pitch. Uh, Yeah, so we are a source for subscription management and billing. So typically companies in the B2B SaaS space use our service to manage their customer subscriptions. So giving them control of the subscription data, streamline their billing, payments, and revenue recognition. So basically it's a process support for the quote to cash process in order to be more efficient, be more agile and able to experiment with pricing and also get the needed SaaS KPIs for reporting and managing the business. So we mainly serve customers in Europe and North America with a super sharp focus and on B2B SaaS and software companies. And this is extra fun for me to have you here in this podcast. (laughs) And uh, why, Union? How did you end up with uh, that idea and business? Uh, That's a good question. Um, I think there were two things, really. So I think one thing was that I really wanted to start my own business. That was one thing. But for quite some time, I lacked the ID. And of course, you need an ID, right? <laughs> and then at the, my previous job, I, ha- I had a fantastic time. I'd been there for 13 years. I c- actually came into a project implementing a subscription management tool. And then that was when it sort of you know came together. So I wanted to do something. I felt like this, we could do a bit better. I saw a gap in the market where, you know, a lot of the existing tools were really about, you know, a bit of the e-commerce kind of subscriptions, you know, the $9.99 online, credit card checkout, ready to go, quite streamlined, streamlined um, and high volume. And, and my world was very different. It was like negotiated deals, a lot of unique terms, some legacy plans, etc. And and I thought maybe this is something then we can, you know, address. Um, so so that was sort of the starting point. And then looking a bit wider as well, like really wanting to 
come up with an all-in-one tool. So you didn't need to pick three different tools just to solve one problem. Um, and also just start out, I guess, like many companies out of a small country like Sweden do. We build for, you know, multi-entity international support from the start because, as I said, we're from a small country. You typically need to expand <laughs> geographically quite fast. So, so I figure like, this uh, this could actually be something. So that's where it started. Uh, and I got some um, um, friends or my co-founders on board as well. Uh, and we discussed it and it seemed like some, uh, they thought it was a good idea, but I also did a bit of a check around with friends and network. And, and quite a few thought it was a really bad idea as well. And I thought like, that's probably a good thing because if everyone thinks it's a really good idea, should probably not do it because then everyone thinks it a good, it's a good idea and everyone will do it. Uh, but I thought I got, you know, some good feedback and some bad feedback and then maybe this is something. Amazing. And you're laying up quite nicely for me when you talked about as a Swedish company, you need to expand and grow. And that's what you in person with your family right now are doing because we need to talk about you taking the family and moving yourself and them to the US. Why? Yeah, um, I mean, from a business perspective, it's basically been in the rollout plan from the get-go more or less that we, we wanted to expand into Europe and also expand into the US. So in that sense, it's quite a natural progression. Um, but of course, then um, also a question or, you know, like a topic that occupied my mind for a while was that how can we ensure that we keep our focus on our European market while also going to the US? And so we don't sort of always look to the other side, but really keep a laser sharp focus on Europe and also build something up in the US. Um, and then I thought maybe the best solution is that I go then to the US and we can have a mix of locally hired people in the US, but also um, me and, and also uh, my colleague Eric Moline was also moved to the US quite recently to sort of bridge the gap when it comes to product, culture and and uh, uh, best practice in how we do things yeah so that's a bit of the background uh it's uh and you know also of course it's uh that's more the business side to it on a more personal side it's also of course a, an adventure so what will your closest one to two years look like then what what is what is the plan there so basically, I, I will remain CEO. So one part would still be, you know, the the general CEO duties and 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 with the European team and all of that. Um, but also to get going and you know grow faster in the US market uh, and get the team together. Um, and you know, I typically say that you know Union will be a new company every six months. It's been true so far. Um, so I, I imagine we'll have a few iterations as well. I have a really hard time saying what those iterations will be. Uh, I, I'm sure I'll be here, uh, and, and I think I will, uh, focus in 
very much on sales and marketing uh, for the first part, at least uh, when it comes to the uh, North American market. Yeah. We move on. Thank you for sharing, Niklas, because now it's time for a fun fact. I want to know, and I want the listeners to know about one fun fact about you that the most people don't know. So, so what can you pull off your sleeves? That's a tough one, uh, but I think I'm. Uh, I don't think everyone knows how occupied I can be with myself in my own head and with my own thoughts from time to time. Um, usually I get away with it, uh, but there are also occasions where I, I, I don't. So, for instance, I, I, I remember this occasion when I went from work and I decided to uh, go to the gas station and, and fill up the car. So I started, you know, uh, filling up, uh, had something in my head. I don't remember what it was, but thinking, 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 uh, drove off and heard a big bang in the back of my car. So I ripped off the handle and had everything with it. You know, as you typically do, you look around and see if anyone saw it. I felt like maybe no one saw this. And I, you know, went in and sorted things out with the handle and all of that and drove back to the, the office. And when I got in, I was greeted with like a lot of people asking about my latest visit to the gas station because apparently it was in the daily news, you know, a photo from the readers. <laughs> a few years back, you could get money to send in photos. Um, so I didn't escape that one very uh, nicely, though. Uh, <laughs> but I think that, that leads to quite a lot of situations and problems for me this was a spot-on fun fact that, that i was fishing for so thank you for telling that story niklas we move on to a bit more serious topic the segment of leadership niklas all right and i want to start with the first question here in the leadership segment and this is <laughs> the angle of what is the worst thing according to you about being a leader so I guess this is on the very personal side uh, of being a leader. But for me, I think, you know, uh, the feeling of being treated differently because of your title <laughs> and not of who you are. And it it doesn't have to be that, you know, it's a, it's a good or bad treatment. It's just that uh, I, I really like just being me. <laughs> and if you're a small team, you, you know, you, you start doing things, you, you don't really care about titles, right? Uh, and you don't really care about who's the leader or you don't, you, you just do things. And I really, really like that. Uh, and I think as you grow, it, it's easy to sort of everyone falling into their different positions, titles, duties, responsibilities, etc. Uh, and I think it's easy that you're being treated for your title or your position or your leadership role. So, so that that's um, that's one perspective that I uh, really dislike. Uh, but uh, I guess it comes with the territory as well. <laughs> then we do a 180 and talk about what would you say? Yeah, what do you like the most about being a leader? Then that's uh, <laughs> so much nicer to talk about. Um, uh, but you know, I, I really like building things, and and things could be anything. It could be company, it could be <laughs> carpentry, or it could be Lego with my son. It doesn't really matter. But building things, and you know, have the influence to also you know do it and 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 
big part and and you know yeah just influence it i i really really like that um um and also be part of i think you know the team is very important to me so so being part of something i i really like that um and perhaps especially in that role um but then also to you know uh see people grow maybe also contribute to people's growth as well i think that's really really rewarding um uh, and, and being a leader in that sense, I guess you get a very good uh, viewpoint of of that. So that's what I appreciate the most. And uh, if we turn into the last angle here of the leadership segment, uh, for this time at least, what are your greatest strengths as a leader? Well, I think I'm a, a people person in the sense that I... I usually able to talk to more or less everyone and, and I'm also that they it feels like they appreciate what I'm saying talking and listening to them so so I think that but but also I, I'm fairly quick at understanding how things fit together and understand the bigger picture so I, I think those two are my greatest strengths is this something that has been your default mode for like forever in your professional life or is this something that you have like a muscle needed to uh, train and work on and maybe there's some personality in it but i think to a large extent it feels like i've spent the last 20 years learning and trying to be better and and improving things um uh, you know there was a part of my life where i read a lot uh perhaps now i listen more and you know and all the interactions you have uh, but i think it's something that come together uh, over quite a long period of time some people are more intuitive perhaps and, and just get things right from the start <laughs> uh, I, i'm not sure i see myself that way i think it's more uh practice <laughs> Yeah. Practice makes perfect, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so if, yes. if I spend a few more years, uh, you know, like 20 more practicing, maybe it will take me somewhere. <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, thank you for your input here, Niklas, on the leadership segment. And we move on to something I call a topic of your choice. Because I want to hear you talk a few minutes about something that you are nerdy and passionate about. So I, the floor is yours. I will sip it. And now it's time for a topic of Niklas' choice. And, and you said nerdy and passionate about. So, so I think um, a lot of people who knows me might say that I really like my uh, Excel spreadsheets. Um, and while, uh, you know, I, I can appreciate like spreadsheets, but I think what I'm really nerdy and passionate about is modeling, really. I, I like to figure out how things fit together and how they affect each other and, and sort of have an idea of, okay, so so let's for, say, for instance, like Unium, how should that operate? Usually it takes form <laughs> in a spreadsheet. Uh, and, you know, sort of if we do A, that leads to B, that should lead to C and, you know, so forth. And, and, and coming up with these models, um, 
It could also be like salary models or whatever. But I really, really like that modeling thing. And I really like the fact that, you know, if things go according to plan or if it doesn't, you can always sort of go back and get some feedback and see, okay, what was wrong? Maybe it was the whole maybe it was the whole model or maybe it was just you know a part of it or you know that thing so so i i'm i'm really into that and and it's both in the more structured form of you know like company kpis and you know all of that but it could also be smaller things and and understanding smaller parts and and trying to figure it out um um but i um I, I I think it's the same thing, you know, like learning. How how can you learn something? For me, at least for me, it requires that I think about, you know, okay, this is my idea. This happened. What did go right? What did go wrong? And how can you go back? Um, um, and also, I think it keeps you a bit more honest in that sense. It's sometimes very easy to, you know, like, Oh, we should have done like this one year ago based on everything we know today. Well, that's super, super easy. But I mean, based on what we knew like one year ago, maybe it was the right decision or, you know, I think it also gives you, you know, uh, the material uh, to, to be honest in, you know, what did you do good? What did you do bad? Uh, and learn. <laughs> learning it's coming back to that i love it and uh, is there many people that calling you mr excel or is it just me that thought when you said you love excel that uh, uh... to some extent and i think others would think that i don't (laughs) i don't think that but i think others could say that but maybe there's a difference in in, we we, 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 we leave it at that and uh, yeah we're leaving um, the topic of modeling yeah that was nicholas choice today and move on to the external segment because i have another segment where i let the community people in my network get a direct line to you the guest so first up is tibor hartwig and this is his question Hi, Nicholas. Thibaut Hartwig here. Thank you so much for taking my question. When it comes to saving time, I'm absolutely fanatical. And now that you have a system that saves other lots and lots of time, what do you do yourself to save time in your own everyday life? Very good question. Um, I think one thing, uh, perhaps that's more um, comes intuitive, is that I'm a habit person. So, so I, maybe I don't explore every option <laughs> all the time. I, I do quite a lot of things, just the same thing every, every every day. So that's, of course, saving a bit of time. I think when it comes to work, I um, I try to keep, you know, my, you know, the to-do list, etc. I try to shorten uh, some meetings and, you know, do that. Um, but also in my role, I think, putting a lot of responsibility but also freedom with my peers i i typically let them you know uh work things out to quite a large extent which is probably the biggest time saver for me because if i would be into every little detail i wouldn't have any time so so i think that would be the biggest one um and perhaps also just on a like uh, a different note on that um 
if we're talking about outside work, I think maybe I'm not sure that I'm always trying to save time. Uh, I think some of the things <laughs> uh, you get to experience is by not trying to save time. Saving time typically keeps you very narrow-minded or like focused on something. Um, I, I've spent quite some time um, trying to be the opposite outside of work. <laughs> so, so that is not saving time. That's perhaps more about like let's see what happens and and take that in. Uh, if anyone has children, uh, if you're trying to save time, you don't always save time. But if you're a bit more open and perhaps playful, maybe you will actually save time towards the end. So, um, what a good question! I love how you both narrowed down from the working perspective, but also when you move to the personal, you said this button like maybe you shouldn't save time. Maybe you should, yeah, live a bit. Exactly, live a bit. Thank you for your answer, and Tibor, thank you for a great question. We move on to. External question number two, and this is from Jenny Dasa from Take Reference, and this is her question. Hi, Niklas. You streamline and save millions for thousands of companies. What is your best sales strategy? I think for us, um, the biggest thing has really been to make our ideal customer profile as narrow as possible. So, you know, really making the short-term target market really, really, really small, which is quite counterintuitive, right? You want to build a big, great company addressing a really, really big market. But I think when it comes to sales and more short-term, definitely sort of how can we make the target market as small as possible? You know, let's go down to 100 customers. How can we get them? And think about that instead of thinking about how can we get all the ten, tens of thousands of companies somewhere, right? So, so I think that has been the most important thing for us. So, so far, our best sales strategy as well. And it's also helped us, you know, if we're really specific of, you know, our ideal customer profile, what training do we need what can we do internally you know what material what collateral should we have etc so i think that has been very important to us and has helped us a lot as well but it really requires you to sort of get over that first feeling of oh no this is too small <laughs> now we're not we're excluding too many you know fear of missing out becomes yeah. very apparent uh, but I think that has been by far the best strategy for us so far at least great answer and Jenny thank you for the question we move on and entering the field of KPIs so now I want to know Niklas <laughs> which top KPIs are Unium's most important KPIs and when you answer that question also please if you're not answering it I will follow up with that but why did you choose just them so I think at the top level uh, it's uh, you know ARR uh, so annual recurring revenues and cash uh, and I think that's probably true for most SaaS companies because 
you're typically measured on your ARR in terms of, you know, what are your secure revenues going into next year and going forward? And, you know, what cash do you have to spend? Uh, you don't want to run out, right? So, so I think those are, of course, the top level ones. Um, going down or drilling down a bit, I, we typically look at uh, growth efficiency. So we, we look at um, the booked ARR uh, divided by the customer acquisition costs at, at, at the whole, like for one month. So if we did 100k euro in annual contracted recurring revenues and we spent uh, 50k euro on sales and marketing you know staff tools ads whatever we would have 200 percent, right so that would also give us a payback period of six months um, so that's a very important metric for us and and to have in check and we typically you know want to be around you know 100 percent. we've been way above it and we've been below it as well uh but just keeping track of it and and you know seeing that you get the effect that you 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 need uh, and i also think it's a way of you know combining both sales and marketing efforts as well so you don't treat them totally separate but you know as I usually say, I'm super happy regardless how we do it, as long as we keep it efficient. So, so, so that's why. Um, another one is so the recurring margin. Uh, we will often talk about recurring revenues, uh, which is of course important, but there is a cost of doing it as well. And if we have a recurring margin that is positive, we we we're very we're in a very good place, right? Yeah, because uh, then you know our existing customer base will just keep uh, producing uh, a profit, which uh, would be a very good situation uh, for us, and uh, and I guess for many others, there's still the situation of not being in a having a positive recurring margin, but something that you need to drive towards or move towards. And then also, of course, like churn and net retention. At least for us, I, for a while, we 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 just looked at net retention, um, seeing okay, so how did our existing portfolio of customers develop this year? If we exclude all the new logos, um, I definitely think churn on its own uh, is also very very important uh, to figure out why our do we have churn and why not? But of course, also the net retention. How can we see a growth on our customer base? Um, so I, I guess quite typical, of course, then we have, you know, more usage-based ones, like how is our service being used, you know? So I think those are the main, you, you can always drill down, yeah. right? But if we talk about the company level. Exactly. And this means that we have entered the roundup. We only have four questions left. And the listeners that have been with me for a while now, they know what's coming now. And this is my VAM-oriented question because I'm building a sales tool with the core video. So I'm collecting data points from smart people like you, Niklas. And I want to know, what would you say is the best way to do a modern cold outreach to you? How would you like to get approach? for me, if you don't know me, to get you to into a meeting? 
If we talk about content, I think like be yourself. That's the worst thing. If someone is acting according to a script, but you feel like it's not the person. So be yourself. Yeah. I think be very clear on stating what you want and also what's in it for the other person and not too much, <laughs> not, not too many other things. Um, but I think, um, video is increasingly, uh, a good thing, I think. Uh, and you get it and you also get some other points like the be yourself it's easier yeah. to assess that if you actually see the other person exactly uh, that's a good thing um but i guess there are so many ways of doing cold outreach as well it could also be meeting someone at an event <laughs> yeah you gave me great data points here be yourself clear pitch and what's in it for them video is a good thing events works still Thank you, yeah. Niklas. Uh, we move on to one of my favorite questions. And this is, if you would give yourself, your younger self, think like five, ten years ago, the top one, two, three things to think of that you now know that you didn't know, what would that be? I think one is uh, be kinder to yourself. In some scenarios, typically you require grit, right? You, you, you need to push through and you need to really just grind from time to time to, to, <laughs> to create a company. It's not uh, easy. Um, but sometimes things are out of your control. So not really worth spending time on it, uh, which I've done. So, so I mean, like be a bit more flexible uh, is another thing. Uh, I've had situations where I've been really uh, locked in on a target or a KPI or a result or something. And maybe sometimes you need to adjust it and not just go chasing after it. Uh, so, so be a bit flexible. Um, and to both of those things as well get more outside in perspectives i mean like what you're doing what you said before getting data points i, I don't think i've ever had too much of outside in perspectives but definitely the other way around where i decided on what is the reality like it's like this this is the reason why this is happening this is but get more outside in perspectives i think it also gives you um, a better reference where you are and where you stand and how your results are doing so those were a few things um i was asking for one two three things and uh, both uh, the younger niklas me and the listeners are thanking you for that yeah two things left and th this now is a really quick one I just want to, your first thing, I don't want you to overthink it. Which one to two other B2B socios would you like to listen to in this podcast and that you think could give you some value? One is, uh, don't know if I pronounce this correct, but Charlotte Melkert. She's founder and CEO of eCulture, Dutch company. It's a tool for unbiased hiring. Um, I've only had second and information and stories but i've heard it's a great company it's growing and it's a great story i uh, would like to hear more about it nice second one is uh Per Åkeberg. he's ceo of voyado 
uh, more of a late stage uh, CEO, I would say. Uh, been at Medius and Readsoft, and and is now the CEO of Voyado. Um, I worked with him for a year, uh, a few years back, but uh, he keeps coming back to the CEO role. So I'm just curious, you know, what is the driving force? Because to be honest, it's like, you know, at some point, I think, you know, if Union become, you know, the great success that I hope for, and, you know, I'm thinking maybe I will do something else <laughs> for a while. Who knows? But I'm just curious, like, what keeps coming? Why coming back and, and doing it? And, and what is the passion? Yeah. So two things, uh, two persons. Thank you for those. And we are at the very last question. And now I'm putting my fingers crossed for a big, bold, inspirational statement. Niklas, where will Union be in five years? Uh, we'll still be fast growing in all our geographical target markets. So that's Europe and North America. Um, I expect us to be the leader of the next generation of subscription management and billing tools. I would expect us to have additional segments as well. I talked about the, you know, the really niche ICP, B2B SaaS software. But in five years, uh, I, I see that we will be in additional segments and whether that's you know, uh, heavy construction or IoT, uh, I, I leave that undecided. And ARR-wise, where will that be? Oh, you want the figure as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, above the... 50 million euro at least i would like it to be around 100 <laughs> fastest in your category still fast growing 100 million arr so niklas thank you so much for all your answers and now i'm uh, shifting the focus to you who has been listening to us if you like what you heard please press the subscription button and also tell a friend or colleague to listen to niklas in b2b SaaS and Niklas, a huge thank you for sparing around 30 minutes together with me to help the community and me to keep on learning. Thank you, Josef. It was a pleasure.